You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you for that great mercy, wider than the oceans, deeper than the deepest blue sea, and available to us here today. Pray that you would take my lips and speak through them, that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, you received this uh, Rocky Road Ahead card as you came in. If you did not, you can pick one up as you leave, either walking this way or that way. This is not my sermon. It's just a little benefit, a little add-on. Uh, for you to take with you as a kind of remembrance of our worship together here, which I've enjoyed this week. Great privilege. Uh, My wife and I are in bewonderment at the way you can feed so many people day after day for the whole season of Lent. Uh, It's not a 40-day fast, but a 40-day feast here at uh, the Advent. I've missed the rain today. We love rainy days in London. Well, the wideness of God's mercy. I want to put it in these terms simply up front. There are moments in time that are life-changing. The uh, New Testament has two different words that describe time. One is the word chronos, from which we get in English uh, the word chronological. And that's really just the measurement of time passing, just the order of things as they happened in time. There's another word, kairos, and that's about a special moment in time that's history-making, life-changing, Destiny rewarding. A moment in time that defines the future in a whole new way. And those special moments you've all had, as have I. I remember the moment I first set eyes on my wife. Uh, We were married six months later. But I remember that moment as clearly as if it were just this morning. That was a life-changing event, just to meet her. And then the uh, ensuing courtship, six brief months, most of us separate, most of it are separated from each other. So that's like one little personal, and you've had similar personal uh, moments like that. 
And then you've got the dynamism of uh, Sir Winston Churchill arriving at Buckingham Palace at the invitation, I would guess really a summons, from King George VI. And he said of that arrival at Buckingham Palace, as he drove into the forecourt, that it was the moment for which all his life had been but a preparation. That was a moment in time that changed history as King George VI invited Churchill to lead a coalition government against Nazi Germany. A life-changing, world-changing, history-changing event. And sort of focused in that moment of time when he was called to Buckingham Palace. Well, for one or two or three or six of you here this morning, maybe more, maybe less, but there are moments in time when God meets us. So we turn up as if it's our idea, but God is there for us with other ideas. And as we respond to him, so it becomes that life-changing moment of destiny. I want to cast this in the light of the most famous verse in the Bible, worldwide, I would think, in all languages. John chapter 3 and verse 16. We've been making our way along this week with John's Gospel, chapter 1. And in that chapter 1, it speaks about the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 3 and verse 16 describes what that is. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now you can all say that with me, can't you? Why don't you do that right now? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to take you to the border between Russia and Ukraine. Along with a team of Americans, we had just spent a week in a city called Rostov-Nadam in southern Russia, down near the Black Sea. We had gotten there by rail from Kiev in Ukraine with return tickets to Kiev which before we arrived at the railway station to go back had summarily been cancelled. There was trouble in Moscow. Yeltsin was seen on a tank, a huge picture that traveled worldwide. And uh, there was pushback from the glasnost, the openness, and the the willingness to consider something other than flat-out communism. 
and there was pushback from the communists. And so there being trouble in Moscow, we, uh, informed by one of our team, uh, a retired Marine general, said that normally when there is trouble like that, they shut the border. Our tickets have for sure been canceled. We had a whole series of meetings to get back to in Ukraine, and we rented an old bus to take us. Don't even think an American school bus, that would have been a mercy. This was a wreck. And uh, the roof leaked, and it was raining all night. And we're driving into the night for the border, and uh, a Russian came with us, a couple of Russians in their little Russian car, leading us to the border, and at the border, they went to the border and asked the border guard, would they please let us through? The word was that we had been here in there in Russia, distributing uh, all kinds of good deeds, special events, and uh, they had on board said these Russians, a very famous American speaker who needed to get into the Ukraine to fulfill some engagements there. They were speaking about moi. <laughs> they came back to the bus saying, they want to hear you speak. <laughs> if we have an, an American and famous speaker they want to hear you. So I gathered up my Bible and walked the short distance to where they had a row of border guard young men with their uh, hats in place, uh, one on a concrete platform with uh, a rapid-fire machine gun, and they were lined up ready to hear me speak. So our little entourage of about two dozen wander to the, the border as well, and what do I speak on? Now let me just put this in parenthesis. If I speak for 10 minutes in English, there's going to be at least another 10 minutes in Russian to explain what I've said through the interpreter. So that's 20 minutes standing at the border. So I figure I've got to be brief to the point and say whatever I have to say. So I said, look, I want to share with you the most famous verse in this book, God's book, the Bible. And I quoted as we have done here, John chapter 3:16. For God so loved the world, I said, you have been told there is no God, and you know it's a lie. You know that is a lie. And when you hear that God loves the world, that means he must love us individually, personally, one at a time, because love has to be personal. If it's not personal, it's not love. If God loves the world, 
then God loves each one of you. And I went right down the line, right into their eyes with a finger pointing at them saying, God loves you. 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 Right down the line. And then let me tell you how much he loves you. He loved and loves you and me enough to send his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The year was 1991, by the way. Uh, the wall had come down in Berlin, and there was a whole new sense of openness and availability in the Soviet Union, as well for them to leave. And I said, do you know where that date, 1991, which was like that very year, do you know where that number comes from? You call it the common era, which they did in Russian. But in the West, that date measures the number of years from when God sent his son into the world. 1991 years ago, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And being born into the world, he lived for 30 years anonymously. I don't think I used that word without anybody knowing who he was. But the last three years of his life, he took a high profile. He began to teach, to preach, to heal the sick. I mean, give hearing to the, the deaf, sight to the blind, raise the dead, give dignity back to prostitutes, feed the hungry, gather the outcast. In those three years, he became so popular that the leadership determined they had to get rid of him. Well, you could almost see these chaps nod like they know how that worked in Russia. And this is how they got rid of him. They put him through a phony trial, convicted him to die, and spread-eagled him, spread him out on a crossbeam of wood. I didn't even use the word crucify, but describe it. They laid him down on this crossbeam of wood, knelt on his forearm, held it in place, and drove a spike through the base of his hand. Similarly with the other hand, a man would curl up in agony as that nail was driven, spike was driven. They drag you down, those legs kneel on the shins and drive a spike through your feet, hoist that crossbeam up, drop it in a hole in the ground, wedge it there, and leave you to die. And that's what they did to God's Son. But in the mystery of God's love for us, 
He was dying there as a sacrifice to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven. As it goes on to say, that whoever believes in him should not perish, that is, go to hell, but have everlasting life, go to heaven. That's how much God loves you. And I went right, right down the line again. That's how much God loves you. 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 And then I came to that phrase that whoever believes in him. And I'm, I am even now to this day amazed at the thoughts that God gave me by which to express these amazing pieces of theology that we have uh, condensed into the creedal statements of our church. The sorts of hymns we've just sung together, the wideness in God's mercy, like the wideness of the sea. Such amazing love at such a great cost. That's how much he loves every single one of us. But how do you speak about faith, believing in him? And right to mind came the very word by which they name, call, the first day of the week. We call it Sunday. They call it, in Russian, Vaskrasenia. And I happen to know, I happen to know right then, that Vaskrasenia literally means Resurrection Day. If I were to say Resurrection Day, you would hear translated Vaskrasenia. I said, for 70 years of atheism, which would have been about the case for those young men, not that they were 70 years of age, but they'd grown up in an atheistic country where it was illegal to teach about God, to make public statements about God, to have public gatherings in the name of God. It was kind of revolutionary for that border guard to be standing there hearing me tell them about God. In fact, just as a flashback, our first visit, that was our second visit, we went to the equivalent of their West Point and spoke to their military cadets. Behind me was a bust of Lenin, draped with a red, magnificent drape. The general who introduced me said, I never ever thought the day would come when I would have somebody to introduce to you who is going to talk to you about God. It was like radical. And here these, this border guard is hearing me tell them there is a God and that he loves you and this is how much he loves you. But how to talk about believing? Vaskrasenia. I said, do you know three days after they killed Jesus, he walked from the grave alive. 
resurrected. They killed him on Friday, on Sunday, on Vascrosania. He was raised again to life. And that Jesus is alive today and here at the border. And when it says that those who ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that word believe doesn't mean simply to have this information in your head, but to have him, the living Jesus, in your life. To believe in him is to ask him, to welcome him, to come into your life and surrender your life to him. I was tempted to finish with that. I mean, now I'd explain John 3.16. But thank you, Lord. I said, I want to speak to God on your behalf. And the way we'll do this is, you will stand there and close your eyes to shut out any distraction. And I will speak to God in such a way that you can take my words and make them yours. So close your eyes, and they very obediently closed their eyes. And then I prayed a very simple prayer, translated into Russian. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for coming to me at the border. Please, come into my life. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness. Give to me your forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, they said we could go through. It's like I was singing for my supper. We could go through the border. But we had, on board our bus, uh, any number of Bibles in Russian. When we mentioned that to them, they all wanted a Bible. So now they walk back to the bus with us. And as we're walking back to the bus, one of the guards fell in stride beside me. And speaking to me through the interpreter, this is what he said. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. So in the syntax of a Russian sentence, he was saying, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. But this is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. Can you imagine hearing that from a 10-minute homily translated into his language? The moment for which all his life had been waiting. For all those years of atheism, and we witnessed this one place after another, a hunger and a thirst for the living God.
to have that personal knowledge of his love for us and his longing, his desire to take possession of us that we might entrust our lives to him and receive from him that gift of forgiveness and the gift of eternal life and the assurance of heaven when we die and purpose in our lives between now and then. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. My wife from time to time wonder where that young man is today, now an old man. At least an older man. Several years ago, just to again broaden the context of that conversation, the phone rang in our kitchen, and those were the days when you had the phone on the wall with a long, long lead, so you could wander around the kitchen and do other things. I get the phone, put it to my ear, and as I move away to something else in the kitchen, the voice the other end with a Slavic sound to it, a woman speaking, said, is this the Reverend John Guest? I said, it is. She said, were you in Kiev in 1990, speaking in the Arka, which was a huge stone auditorium, open air? I said, I was. She says, praise the Lord. She said, I was there. And listening to you speak, I was born from above. And she said, I'm Jewish. And I was like, even now, I get that goosebump moment. Who would have had any idea? Jewish woman sitting in that vast audience met Jesus, surrendered her life to him, and was born again made new in Christ. And I believe no less was true for that border guard, a moment in time that changed his absolute eternal destiny. I'm going to pray with you now and give you that same opportunity. For many of you, as I pray, this will be a moment of re-surrender, re-dedication. But for one or two of you, this will be that moment when you surrender your heart, your life, who you are, your past and your present and your trusting him for the future into his hands. So let me ask you to bow your heads with me Close your eyes. And see the Lord Jesus coming to you here at the Cathedral of the Advent. Right to you. He knows who you are. He loves you as much right now as when he died on the cross for you.
So let me speak to him in the first person so that each one of you might take my words and make them your very own. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to me here at the Advent Cathedral. Thank you for this Friday. This memorial day of when you died for me. Thank you for loving me as much right now as when you died for me. I want you, Lord. I need you. Please come into my life. by the power of your spirit, Lord, your presence, come into my life. Forgive me all my sin. Even as I turn from it and turn to you, forgive me, Lord. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness the doubt and apprehension. Take possession of me. Fill me with yourself. I give myself over to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Now, if you are that one person And you prayed that prayer and know that this was your kairos moment with the Lord. As we all sit with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, just as I still have mine closed and my head bowed, I'm going to look out over this congregation. And if you are that one person, and you know this is the moment for which all your life has been waiting, if you are that one person who prayed that prayer with me and know that this was your moment with the Lord to get real with him, I'm going to ask you to lift your face. As you lift your face, look at me. And I will catch your eye and point to you and just say, God bless you. So if that was you, lift your face. Look at me until I catch your eye. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God 
God bless you, ma'am. Thank you, Lord, for each one and for this moment. Seal, seal each one with that assurance that you have responded to their faith that you have come into their lives and that you will never leave them nor forsake them. And for all of us, Lord, who have known you and loved you with you all through these years, thank you for this opportunity to tell you again that we love you, to give ourselves over again to you, to serve you and to please you, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.